We're going to begin reading with verse number 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. Wow, I wish people would do what I asked them to do. Let's see if it happens. I want everybody to sign up for a connection group. And everybody signed up for a connection group. Amen. Well, Elijah said to all the people, come, to near, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood. And he said, Fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. He said, do it a second time. They did it a second time. said, do it a third time. They did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the end of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things in your word, at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Notice in the last of verse number 30 that Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. We'll talk to you this morning about the altar. Father, I thank you today, Lord, that you have given us an incredible uh, avenue of power and that it is at the altar. God, forgive us, Lord, because, Lord, we have neglected your altar. Lord, we just pray that your anointing will rest upon the message, upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, break our hearts today. God, help us, God, to return to the altar once again. Father, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Let me tell you this morning that I'm tired of God's people being constantly beat up. I'm tired of the people of God constantly living in defeat. I'm tired of the same people responding to the same altar call for salvation, for repentance, for defeat. Now don't misunderstand me this morning. I I want you to respond to the altar call when you need to. I just want to get you to a place where you don't constantly need to. I want you to learn how to walk in victory. 
I don't want you to live your entire life stumbling and bumbling your way through your week and then coming in here and, and you have to have us prop you up and give you your weekly spiritual fix. And the cycle repeats itself week after week after week after week. This is not God's plan for God wants you to grow. God wants you to mature. God wants you to to develop into a powerful man or woman of God who lives in constant victory. I believe that in order to live in constant victory, we have to have, we have to develop, we have to practice a daily prayer time as well as a daily dose of the Word of the Lord. But this morning, I want us to talk a little bit about prayer. I want us to talk a little bit about the altar. I know, Pastor, only two weeks ago you talked about it. Yes, but I want to tell you that it is burning in my heart. I want to tell you that I believe that God is trying to get through our thick skulls. I believe that God wants us to return to prayer and return to the altar and return to crying out to Him. My question to you this morning is, do you have an altar in your life? In 1 Kings chapter number 18, Elijah builds an altar. I want to encourage you today, I want to encourage myself today to build an altar as well. There are five things that I've discovered as I've read our text today. Five things that I see, five things I want to call your attention to. First of all, I want us to notice the problem. I want us to notice the problem, and it's found in verse number 30. It says that he repaired the altar that was broken down. What was the problem? The problem was the altar was broken. Let me, let me tell you something about your situation today. Your problem is not your problem. You like to point to your situation. You like to, to point to your circumstance. You like to point to your problem and say, that's, that's my problem. But let me tell you this morning, your problem, that is not your problem. Your problem is your altar is broken. The problem is not your problem. The problem is that, that, that your altar is broken in your life. Let me tell you something. When a problem arises in a church, it usually comes about because the altar is broken. Now, the modern day church today is spending most of its time trying to fix a broken program, trying to fix broken technology, trying to fix a broken structure, when the real problem is a broken altar. Now hear my heart this morning. Hear me clearly. I'm not against the latest and the greatest. I'm not, all, I'm not against the new and the modern. I'm, I'm all for trying to be relevant. We need to be relevant. And that's the reason why that I have brought in two young associates to work with me. As I get older, I've got to have somebody around me that's younger. Amen. That can help us stay in touch. That can help us stay relevant. So I'm not against being relevant. I'm not, I'm not wanting to live in the, in the good old days. I, 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 I'm, that's not what I'm saying this morning, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you that the, that the real problem today is not necessarily our methods. That might be a problem, but the real problem today is a broken altar. You see, a broken altar will result in a broken church. A broken altar will result in a broken life. Elijah recognized the problem and he rebuilt the altar. By the way, how is the altar in your life? The second thing that I 
I find here is I find the procedure. I find the procedure found in verses 31 through 35. I'm not going to take time to read it. We just read it. But you'll find the procedure in verses 31 through 35. And I want you to notice there two things about the procedure. The first thing I want us to notice was that it was inclusive. Inclusive. Verse 31, Elijah took 12 stones. Did he take 9? Did he take 11? Did he take 7? How many did he take? Elijah took 12 stones according to the number. Say number. 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. You see, Elijah made sure that everybody was going to be represented. Made sure that everybody was going to be included. Let me ask you, Mom. Let me ask you, Dad. Do you have a family altar? Do you pray together as a family? But not only was... It inclusive. Let me suggest number two, it was intentional. Intentional. The altar that Elijah built was built with a plan. There was a plan. It was built with a plan. Notice how the altar was built. First of all, he began with the stones. The stones. And we understand that stones were used in the foundation. Anything that would be built would, first of all, be built with the stones. It would start with the stones. The stones were the the foundation. You start with the stones. You start with the foundation. Everything that you built was built upon the foundation. Well, listen, this morning, the altar should be the foundation. The, 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 The altar ought to be the bedrock of our life. And we should begin with prayer and everything else should be built upon the foundation of prayer. We should begin with prayer, not just pray as a last resort. After the stones for the foundation, then came more stones for the structure. More stones were used for the structure. How many know that prayer should be structured? should be structured. Where do you find structure in prayer? Well, you find it in the prayer of the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. Turn there with me this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. Commonly known as the Lord's Prayer, but actually it's our prayer. It's the structure or the pattern that Jesus gave for prayer. I've gone through this a couple of times on Wednesday night. In times past, few years ago, but most of you are in some other part of the building or not here on Wednesday night, so it's new for some and it's just rehearsal for others. But, but let me just quickly go through this morning the structure of a prayer. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 through 13 gives us the pattern or the structure for prayer. Jesus said, in this manner... In this manner. 
No, we pray the Lord's Prayer. You know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, blah, blah, blah. We pray that as, as one prayer. It really isn't one prayer. It's okay to pray it as a prayer, but it's really not a prayer to be prayed just like that. Jesus said, in this manner pray. Or with this pattern pray. Or with this structure pray. And he said, begin with praise. People say, we talk about praying an hour. People, their eyes bug out. And man, I mean, they sweat pops out on the back of their neck because they can't even go five minutes. The reason why you can't pray five minutes is because you don't pray the pattern of prayer. You don't, you don't use structure when you pray like Jesus said you should. Jesus didn't say, in, he wasn't saying in verse number nine, just pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. No, he was saying, begin your prayer with praise. Let me tell you something, you can't pray five minutes. You can't even get through praising God in five minutes. Prayer ought to be structured. There ought to be structure in prayer. We ought to begin every time when we pray. I'm talking about in our prayer time. I'm not talking about in an emergency when we need God's help right now. We don't have to go through some structure. I'm talking about when our day, I'm talking about the altar. Talk about our daily prayer life. Begin it with our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Begin it by praising Him. Praising Him for who He is. Praising Him for what He's done. Praising Him for everything. Just start listening. Go down from A to Z. Listing all of the things that you are thankful and grateful for. And then, after 30 minutes of praising Him... It's amazing, it'll go by that quick if you're not. Then he said, then he said, pray our king, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. So after we have praised him and got into his presence in, in praise, and that's what the Bible says then, it says we will enter, it's not just a song somebody wrote, it's the word of the Lord. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, enter into his courts with praise. And once you get into His presence in praise, and after you've praised Him for a while, then you can go into petition or, 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 or to make your request. Your request. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. You can begin to ask the Lord for the things that you have need of. You can begin to pray for your family. You can begin to pray for your finances. You can begin to pray for lost loved ones. You can begin to pray, amen, for whatever the need is. You can begin to unburden your heart and unburden your soul. And you can just begin to praise the Lord or just begin to, to petition the Lord and bring all of your needs and burdens to Him. And then after you pray prayed that for a while, then you can go into verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or penitence. It's praise, then petition, then penitence or, or, or repentance. We begin to, to ask the Lord to forgive us. Ask the Lord to search us. Ask the Lord to show us something in our life that's not right. We begin to repent over bad attitudes. We begin to repent over sins that we've done and sins that, that we've committed because we haven't done some things that we haven't been doing, that we should be doing. And then we can go from penitence into praying for protection. That's found in verse number 13. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us, deliver us from the evil one. 
So we can pray for protection. I, I hardly let a day go by, but what I don't pray, a hedge of protection. The Bible said that there was a hedge of protection around Job. The devil said that, that God had put a hedge around Job where that the devil could not get to him. And when God, when the devil told God, you built a hedge about him, God didn't say, no, I haven't. So evidently God had. And so daily I pray a hedge of protection around me, my wife, my kids, my parents, my grandkids. Amen. I pray a hedge of protection. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I pray a hedge of protection. Plead the blood of Jesus over me and my life and my wife, my family. Amen. My stuff. And Jesus said when you've praised, you've petitioned, you've... You, you, you've repented, you've prayed for protection, then, then he says, praise me again. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Forever. We start with praise and we end with praise because he is praise worthy. We're talking about the procedure right now. When Elijah built the altar, he began with stones for a foundation. And then he used stones for a structure. And then he put wood uh, for fuel for the fire. And, and then he put the bull on the altar he had built. The bull was the sacrifice. I mean, understand that, that the altar demands a sacrifice. How I many understand God will not bless an empty altar. And Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1, he said, offer yourselves to God as a living sacrifice. When we pray, we should crawl up on the altar and offer ourselves as a sacrifice to God. Now the altar, it literally just, it, it doesn't have to be a wooden bench that's built and said this is an altar. The altar is really our heart. The altar is really our time of prayer. Kneeling is one way to pray. It's not the only way to pray. We can, we can pray all kinds of different ways. But I've told you just a couple of weeks ago, I love to start my prayer time on my knees because, because I started as an act of surrender and yielding myself to God. And the good thing is, is that when you kneel down before the altar, you are literally putting yourself on the Altar. Elijah took the stones and he used it for the foundation. He used it for the structure. He put the wood on there to fuel the fire. And then he put the bull on the altar. Amen. To sacrifice. Amen. When we put ourselves on the altar, we are a living sacrifice to God. After Elijah had built the altar, placed the sacrifice on the altar, he then, the Bible said that he poured 12 barrels of water on the altar. Now don't forget what they were doing. Remember, they had built an altar and placed a sacrifice on the altar, and then they were going to pray. The prophets of Baal are going to be praying to their God, Baal. Elijah is going to be praying to Jehovah God. And the God that answers by consuming the altar and consuming the sacrifice by fire, this God is going to be declared the true and the living God. The prophets of Baal had already had their chance and their God had failed. 
Now it's Elijah's turn. And after Elijah had repaired the altar, after he had placed the sacrifice on the altar, but before praying to his God to consume the altar with fire, first of all, he drenched the altar and the sacrifice with 12 barrels of water. Why? How many of you have ever tried to light a fire by soaking the wood in water first? Doesn't work very well, does it? How many understand you cannot start a fire with wet wood? So why did Elijah soak the wood with water? He soaked the wood with water because he didn't want there to be any doubt in anybody's mind that it was God that consumed the altar. It was God who answered his prayer by sending down the fire from heaven. You see, some false prophets would trick the people by using tricks to deceive the people into believing in their false gods. There were false prophets that would, before anybody would get there, they would first build, dig down in the earth, and they would put, start a, a small fire in, down in the earth, and then they'd build the altar over it. And then they would deceive the people by fanning, by praying their prayer to their false god, and fanning it, and the fire that it was already had started before they ever got there would come up and consume uh, the altar and consume uh, the sacrifice, and then and then they could persuade the people to believe anything, and they would believe in their false god. Elijah knew that, and Elijah didn't want anybody to think, Amen, that he was deceiving them, that he was tricking them in any way, shape, or form. He put twelve barrels of water on the on the sacrifice on the wood to make sure that when God came through with fire that everybody knew it wasn't a sleight of hand it wasn't the trickery of some prophet amen but it was the hand of God let's notice the third thing real quickly this morning wow let's talk about the purpose it's found in verse 21 through 24. Again, I've already read it, so I don't have time to read it again. The purpose. What was the purpose for this altar? The purpose for this altar was the, the altar would be a place of battle. A place of battle. A showdown would take place on Mount Carmel. Let me tell you something, friend. Prayer is a place of battle. Prayer is spiritual warfare. And the reason why you live in defeat is because you are not willing to do battle in prayer. You want to come here and you want some man of God to lay his hand on you. You fall down and all your, when you get up all your troubles are gone. It's the, e- the easy lazy way. And I'm not, I'm not saying that can't happen. It, it can happen but that's not, that's not the only way and it's not the main way God wants to work. The reason why you live in defeat is because you're not willing to do battle in prayer. You think that the battle, you think that the battle is won or lost in the marketplace. Let me tell you this morning, the the battle is not won or lost in the marketplace. The battle is won or lost in the secret place. 
Psalm 91, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the plaguing problems of life. I ask you this morning, who is this promise for? Oh, it's for those who dwell in the secret place. Those who are willing to do battle at the altar. Let me suggest this morning that we battle Two enemies in prayer. First of all, we battle Satan. We battle Satan. Satan loves to try and deceive us, try and lie to us, try and discourage us, try and tempt us to sin. It's in prayer, friend. It's in prayer where we gain the power to overcome. Two enemies in prayer. First of all, we have to overcome Satan. Number two, we battle self. Self. Somebody said it right when they said, I have met the enemy and I am he. No doubt, this morning, our number one enemy is self. Self. Selfish desires, selfish ambition, stupid decisions. In prayer, we gain the power to overcome self. In prayer, we yield our wants. We yield our wishes. We yield our desires to God. Jesus said to pray, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, God, but your will. Talking about the purpose right now. What is the purpose for the altar? One of the purposes is battle. Prayer is battle. Prayer is spiritual warfare. I ask you today, are you willing to fight? Are you willing to fight this morning? Are you willing to fight for your marriage? Are you willing to fight for your, the salvation of your children? Are you willing to fight for liberty and freedom and unity in your church? I ask you this morning, are you, are you willing to fight? I ask you today, what is it that, oh, that you need to fight for? Because the real fight, amen, takes place in the secret place. Oh, the real battle takes place at an altar of prayer. A daily altar, a personal altar. And by the way, how is the altar in your life? Do you even have an altar? Is your altar in need of repair? Broken altar equals a broken life. The fourth thing that I find here is the prayer. Prayer. This should have been a series. Prayer. The prophets of Baal prayed in unbelief. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I'm smart. No, I, I know that. I know that because of verse number 26 in the King James Version. You know, the original? <laughs> verse 26, the King James Version said about the prophets of Baal, and they leaped upon the altar that they had made. Now, other versions say that they leaped around the altar. Which was it? Did they leap on it or did they leap around it? I, I believe they must have done both. Because of the truth of the matter is that the altar was literally broken down. So evidently they had leaped upon the altar and broken it down. And once they had leaped upon the altar and broken it down, then they leaped around the altar. But here's why I say they prayed in unbelief. 
Because we've got to remember what they were praying about. We need to remember what they were praying for. Oh, they were praying that their God would answer their prayer and that their God would consume the altar with fire. I don't know about you, but I think that if I really believed that my God was going to consume the altar with fire, I don't think I'd be up, jumping up and down on the altar that I'm believing is going to be consumed with fire. For the prophets of Baal prayed in unbelief. How often do we go to the altar in unbelief? How many times the prayer line is nothing more than people laying empty hands on empty heads? How many times do we go to the altar in unbelief? We pray, we even ask others to pray, but deep down inside we don't really believe. Let's notice Elijah's prayer. That's found in verse 36 and 37. We read it earlier. Three things Elijah's prayer contained. First of all, I would suggest it contained reverence. Lord God, he cries out. Lord God, Elijah honored his God. Jesus said, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. second thing I find in Elijah's prayer is a reminder. Elijah prays, Lord God, of Abraham, of Isaac, of Israel. Elijah reminded God, you're our God. You have been our God. You are our God. And you always will be our God. Not only did Elijah want to remind God, but also Elijah wanted to remind everybody Amen. that was on Mount Carmel of whose God God was. He wanted them to know He has been our God. He is our God. And He will continue to be our God. Oh, listen to me this morning, moms and dads. We need to remind our children of who God is. Oh, we need to rehearse in their ears over and over the times that God has answered our prayers and came through for us. Oh, they need to hear you say, He was mom and daddy's God. He's our God. He'll be your God. He'll be your children's God. He'll be your children's children's God. Only after the reverence and the reminder, only then do we see the third thing contained in Elijah's prayer. And that's the request found in 30, verse 36 and 37. What is, what is it that you have need of today? What is it that you need God to do for you? Paul wrote in Philippians 4 and 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul said, Paul said, don't worry about anything, but instead of worrying about everything, instead pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. 
Let me tell you, friend, God loves you. God wants to help you. He wants to be included in every part of your life. Let me ask you this morning, what burdens oh, do you bear today? What heartache are you carrying today? What sorrow saddens you today? What need do you have need of today? Philippians 4.19 My God shall supply all your need according unto His riches in glory and it comes through Christ Jesus. The last thing I want us to see in this is the power It's found in verse 38 and 39. We read it earlier. I want you to notice this morning. I want you to get this this morning. Hear me clearly this morning. Notice, notice the fire fell only after prayer. The fire fell only after prayer. Let me give you another series of messages this morning. Four purposes of fire. Let me suggest, first of all, fire purifies. We understand that. Fire, a natural purifying element. Let me tell you, friend, the fire that falls on us at the altar will purify our lives. Let me tell you something, friend. You cannot have a consistent prayer life with sin in your life. You can worship with sin in your life. You can teach, you can preach with sin in your life. Let me tell you something, you cannot pray. You cannot have a consistent prayer life with sin in your life. Because I'm going to tell you that when you really get serious with God at the altar, your sin will be revealed in your life. And at that point, you either have to allow the fire to purify us, or you'll get up from the altar unchanged and never go back to it. Not only does fire purify, quickly fire prepares. People use fire to prepare their meals. Let me tell you something. I don't have time to develop this, but the fire from the altar prepares us to be useful for God's work. Let me tell you, we're not ready for public ministry until we prepare ourselves in private prayer. I said, we're not... We are not ready for public ministry until, first of all, we have prepared ourselves in private prayer. Wow, I need 30 minutes for that one. Third thing, fire prevents. Fire prevents. Did you know that bad water can be boiled and then it is safe to drink? Thus, it prevents disease The fire that we experience at the altar can prevent the disease of sin. Jesus said in Matthew 26 and 41, Jesus said to His disciples, Watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. Notice Jesus didn't say, Watch and pray that you will not be tempted. No, whether you pray or don't pray, you are going to be tempted. Jesus said, Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. I'm telling you, it's the devil's job to tempt you. And the, the way that you will resist the temptation is if you have spent time in the secret Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Let me suggest to you that people who yield to sin are people who have stopped praying. 
Let me tell you something. These preachers, these, and, and, and you know, they're just the ones that we know about. You know, these high-profile preachers, amen, that, that, that fall. It, it, they, it didn't happen overnight. They stopped praying. They stopped praying. That's what happened. They stopped praying. Preachers who fall stop praying long before they fall. I'll tell you something, prayer prevents. And then finally, fire perpetuates. Fire perpetuates. Come on, Braden. Fire perpetuates. Fire is hard to contain, isn't it? Fire spreads. Friend, the fire that we encounter at the altar does the same. It can leap from off of us and on to somebody else. Oh, I wish our preacher would get on fire. Listen, stop wishing your preacher would get on fire. You start getting on fire yourself and the fire that you have, amen, will perpetuate itself. It'll get off of you and on to somebody else. Remember this this morning. The fire fell only after the altar was rebuilt. And prayer was offered. That was weak. I said the fire fell only. Only after the altar was rebuilt. Only after prayer was offered. You hear me this morning. You can't sing down the fire. I'm not just going to pick on the singers this morning. You cannot preach down the fire. program down the fire. You can't high-tech it down. The fire falls only when you pray it down. When you pray it down. In a moment, I'm going to call you down to the altar. It's late. Got to get spiritual in a hurry today. I'm going to call you down to the altar this morning, real quickly, in a moment, and I want us, I want us to kneel down before God in prayer. Kneel down. There's an altar. I want as many people get around the altar, but that's just a wooden bench. It's not really what the altar really is. All these steps, all these chairs up front, everything in the middle. Come on, everybody, everybody, come on, right now, everybody, get out here now, quickly, 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 quickly. And, and even after we pray, I'm not done. i got something else i got to do. It's got to be done, so stay with me. It's that God did the announcements. He took too long. Steve knows better than taking too long. Amen. He'd be in trouble. I'm in trouble with myself this morning. Amen. Come on, move quickly, quickly, quickly. Get on your face before God today. Oh, God. Let the fire fall today. Let the fire fall today. Oh, begin to cry out to God today. Oh, listen, listen. We need a revival of the altar today. But listen, I'm not just talking about five minutes in the church. I'm not just talking about at the church. And I'm more than the church. More than the church. I'm talking about your life. A broken altar will result in a broken church. A broken altar will result
result in a broken life. You better build yourself an altar at home. You better have a family altar. You better have a private altar. Cry out to God right now. Cry out to God. Cry out to God right now. Cry out to God right now. Cry out to God right now. Cry out to God. Let me hear your voices. Let me hear your voices. Let me hear your voices. Cry out to God right now. Cry out to God right now. Cry out to God right now. What do you need from God today? What do you need God to do in your life? In the life of your